welcome to Devon. <laughs> Due to a small technical glitch, we just recorded 20 minutes of an episode uh, in seven second segments <laughs> in 84 takes. So here it is again. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so this week we are talking about layout. Uh, my name's Tom. I'm a branding focused designer and I work at a co-working space called The Commons in Melbourne, um, which is where I met Nick. G'day guys, how we doing? Um, I'm Nick, I run a small digital agency here as well, we're doing, uh, building websites and web apps and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> I'm working out of The Commons, yeah, in Collingwood in Melbourne, in Australia, in the world. Yes. In the galaxy. So what have you been up to the last okay. week, Nick? <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. Um, so, been doing a bit of quoting and keeping things generally kind of afloat, uh, because I went away over the weekend and actually didn't have internet for a whole 48 hours in total, uninterrupted. So That's it was, awesome. Yeah. It's so weird having the same conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it must yeah. have been great to, you know, to disconnect. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was really good. Yeah. one with the uh... <laughs> But it actually was good. It doesn't happen very often. In fact, I actually don't really remember the last time I was without internet for that long. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, so that was kind of weird. Mm. But it was over the weekend, so it wasn't like people were expecting anything, so that was fine. Yeah. Uh, so the weekend was good, and then um, also just started the new dev project this week, So, uh, or the, the um, dev part of a project, so that's just sort of been um, all hands on deck, just on the tools, just getting stuck into it. See. And so we had a public holiday yesterday, so that and that was at work, um, and so it was just like no interruptions and no expectations, so I could just do a solid amount of dev on it. Yeah, it was well, really good. I mean, this this long weekend I worked. Yeah, yeah. Every day, but nice. it was actually awesome. Yeah, no, to I just, love it. To just have you know four hour blocks of pure yeah, focus, hundred percent uninterrupted. Yeah. Um, design time, and as a result, I'll probably have a short week. This yeah, week. totally. And you know what's interesting? I reckon it's something to think about, like manufacturing those times throughout normal working times. Yeah. Like that's something to aim for, I reckon, which yeah, is just it. part of what putting it's, your phone off and turning well, off your notifications and installing a, a electrical barbed wire <laughs> around your desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this weekend was doing that. And, yeah, um, nice. What did you get up to? Finished developing a site yesterday, which I'm stoked about. Very nice. Um, you know, as a pretty new developer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many problems <laughs> <laughs> along the way. Yeah, you know, yeah. and some are big, some are medium, and uh, some are small, but... Yeah, like, you know, you're in the flow working through and it's like, oh, this actually isn't that bad, yeah. you know, and then you encounter a problem, it's like, cool, two days, 100%. gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at um, the end, it's just like one little character and then you're like, oh. <laughs> uh, but it, so much so that when it is actually done, it's like, is it, is it actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. done? It's a bit of a letdown that it, all those <laughs> days is just one little thing. Like, oh, is that it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, stoked and had heaps of fun, you know, because it's just like pure problem solving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it was it was kind of yeah fun to spend quite a bit of time on Stack Overflow and yeah 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 you know I think on the last project I was like Nick <laughs> I'm in trouble <laughs> but to actually be like no nah, I've got to got to jump into this and figure it out because yeah. it's it's there that I guess you learn sure. learn stuff yeah for sure um, and yeah this morning I just got sign off on a logo I've been working on so I'm, yeah really excited to finesse that one nice. Um, and yeah, so today we're talking about layout. Yes, we are. Um, <clears throat> and probably a good good um, area to start on is talking about like the history of yeah. Let's let's go into that. So 
what is the history of layout and yeah, or, yeah, or more specifically, what's 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 the um, what's the concept of like a layout grid? Mm. Are, we, are we going back to like caveman paintings? Do you reckon it's that far back? <laughs> possibly. Um, I mean, I'm going to see you in four years, and you've turned into an archaeologist trying to find layout and grid. Grid, grid I see it. It's an eight point grid. They knew. They knew. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, yeah, rule it out. Lol. Yeah. Uh, but let's start with, like, ancient manuscripts yeah. for, like, a good kind of starting point mm. for how layout grids were, have been used. Um, so just starting out with, like, kind of ruling lines on a page and using that to... And they are equally spaced vertically. Yeah. And using those lines to guide the placement of text. Uh-huh. Um, so those lines are referred to as, like, the base baseline. Yeah, yeah. And so this was all happening before sort of a, a printing press, right? So this is oh, all we're talking, like, like, 120 AD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so as, as kind of um, documenting thought kind of started to mature mm-hmm. from, like, writings on scrolls... Yeah, yeah. Um, to kind of more organised texts seen in, like, I don't know, um, what is it, Gutenberg's Bible? Or, yep. Um, where you start to see kind of uh, columns. Yeah, okay. Like maybe one or two columns of text, um, which are both equal in width. Yep. And that width has been determined based on kind of a length of characters. Um, right, okay. Based on what is considered easiest to read. Legible, yeah. Um, but also in placing that text on the page, they're thinking about the space on the left, right, top and bottom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that surrounds it, or like yeah. the, the clear space, which, you know, if we fast forward like a million years, is like the margins yeah, and, yeah. And, and the, I guess the, the padding between the two. <clears throat> um, yeah, so from like kind of ancient scripts to then Bibles... Um, continues on to newspapers yeah, um, okay. and and that's where the need for a grid or, or the the role of the grid in, in um, arranging really complex information yeah okay. um, started to play a key role yeah because yeah, if you yeah. if you remove that it's like okay we've got one piece of paper yeah, to yeah. communicate like seven million messages mm-hmm. how are we going to do it how yeah. are we going to even arrange this con- content um, so that's where like yeah, you can see these these pretty clear columns, um, and it's it's flexible enough um, that you could have a, a horizontal element that spans across all of the columns. Um, yeah. And a, a great exercise is to get like an A3 sheet of tracing paper and put it over the top of like a front cover of a newspaper, mm-hmm. and just rule lines mm-hmm. where they're kind of around the the boxes that contain images and rule lines around the columns within which text is contained and then you can see it's like oh there's actually a very clear structure here yeah and i think what's interesting as well is is sort of like stepping away from just grids and thinking about layout a bit more generally and i think that the newspaper is a really good example of that because like you said there's so much information there but then there's different heading sizes there's photos there's captions Absolutely. there's quotes and sort of all that comes into the layout of how to like how do you visually show that this is one article and the image is included in here and there's a heading and then whatever else it is. And I think that that organisation of information, like you said, is a very, you know, maybe that's where that sort of all started as a functional sort of, you know, thought process. Yeah, well, I mean, it it becomes 
like I'd, I'd perform that exercise looking at kind of um, the margins and and the, the kind of actual containers within which content is placed yep. and then maybe do another pass uh-huh. and then look at things like, oh, okay, here's the body copy size, mm-hmm. here's the quote style, yep, yep, yep. here's the heading one, here's the heading two, here's uh-huh. the image one, here's image two, here's image three. Because if I'm looking at it all at once, yeah, okay. I might even do a text pass and then a image pass because yep, yep, yep. um, there's so so much yeah for sure like it's a very complex um, kind of piece of design definitely newspaper front cover um, so yeah so so far we've just been discussing kind of I guess manual print mm-hmm. to then more manufactured print and then if we fast forward through well moving on from the newspaper then there's you know the advertising maturing and right yeah um, and and also, I guess, production processes maturing to the point where you can print books easily, yep. magazines, um, posters, billboards, all of that, you know, all of the things seen in print. And then fast-forwarding all the way to, you know, more recent times is <coughs> layout grids used for screen, um, so like web pages, apps yep, and yep, yep. other interfaces, which is where it would cross over with you the most. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, there are other other um, contexts in, w- in which you can see a, a layout grid. Um, so things like music manuscripts, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, it's just like it's pretty clearly. It's a well-defined one. Yeah, it's following yeah. A, a pretty clear layout grid. Yeah. Um, you know, ba- looking at the the kind of baseline, the same you drop drop text on there, um, you put notes. Um, and like interior design, um, you you know the, where you place furniture and tables in a space, that's another area. Um, and yeah, even playing The Sims. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 Like, you know, there's a grid there where you're placing different things in a room, or you know, the, defining the border of a particular. Yep. Or trapping your sim in a one by one square of walls yeah. to their starvation. Yeah, if you're feeling murderous, yeah, then if you want to do that. Yeah, and I guess yeah, and also for our for our younger listeners, there's Minecraft as well, obviously, right? Which is just completely sure. bricks and grids, and that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. They probably know how to you know lay down some type without <laughs> having to think about it. <clears throat> Absolutely. So um, so then in terms of all that, when you're thinking about layout and grid when you're doing design, um. What are sort of the biggest differences bet- between some of those mediums that you work with? So whether it's like a, um, a poster versus a web page, for instance. Yeah, well, I mean, when it's print, the um, parameters are set. Yeah. Do you reckon that makes it easier or harder? Um, I guess it's different, but it... Yeah, I mean, it makes... Mm. I don't know if I'd say easier or harder because mm. you still need to... Yeah, you still need to get the, the hierarchy of information right and the spacing right. And I guess when you're working... In a digital context, that you still need to nail that down, yeah, and then it's yeah. just a matter of kind of going through a checklist of things mm-hmm. that it needs to satisfy. Yeah, um, and it's okay. But yeah, I, I guess it's probably easier in print because there's only one set of param- parameters that you have to consider. Yeah, it's like here is the A zero poster. Mm-hmm. This is the size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, for a website, it's like. Here's a million sizes. Yeah, yeah, Have yeah. a good time. And so I think, yeah, that's probably one of the classic things of sort of adding more constraints makes things, well, sometimes easier. 
yeah. when you've sort of given less options, I guess, which is almost, you know, in a way what a grid does is give you less options of where to put things. And obviously it's not like 100% you have to put it on the grid, but, you know, it's a big first step, I think. Yeah, well, it's like it's a way of guiding the design decision. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Would you say that's sort of the first thing, or grids are the first thing you think about when thinking about layout in terms of where you put everything? Is yeah, that your first I mean, step? I mean, ideally. Yeah. I mean, there are some times where I'm just knocking out a design and I, I just haven't set up a grid. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you cut everything out in paper and just sort of throw it out into the air and then it lands on your desk and you're like, that's it, ship it. Wherever it lands. <laughs> you know, it makes me think of um, David Carson. They had this, he's like this sick designer who right. pretty much broke the grid. Yeah, okay. So like became really famous for just, you know, there were these really clean-cut um, kind of Swiss and German kind of graphic designers mm-hmm. who were like, it must follow a very structured <laughs> grid yeah. and every difference in type size is calculated. Yeah. And David Carson's just come along and just been right. like, <laughs> yeah. just snipping up things. Yeah, and one yeah. of the things was like, wherever it lands. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. once the, the barcode for the magazine went right across <laughs> um, the, the person on the cover's face right, and right. they weren't very happy about it. <laughs> um, Classic. But yeah, so some sometimes I don't set up a grid. But if yeah. it's a bigger project or like if I've just if I'm in the right headspace, because mm-hmm. it is be- best practice to I'll firstly design a grid. Um, because what do you mean by that? So like if you just open up a, a program, be it Figma or InDesign or Illustrator or Photoshop or I don't know Adobe XD or whatever. Figma, my boy. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's likely to have some defaults in place for for grid settings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be yeah. that you know. To, to find columns and the space between the columns yep. is set at this. So rather than just being like, yeah, cool, that'll do, mm. um, I might think about what exactly I'm designing and whether yeah, it okay. needs 12 columns or whether it's, you know, it's going to be fine with three. Or, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. if it's a business card, you're not going to have 12 yeah, columns. Yeah, okay, of course. Because yeah. um, then it's like three-lettered words. Yeah, yeah. Just 12 of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and, and what the considerations I'm making in designing a grid are like, What's the margin going to be on the left, right, top and bottom of the yeah. page? Are they going to be evenly spaced or is it going to be... Um, is there going to be a ratio applied mm-hmm. so that, like, the right side's bigger than the left and right. the bottom's bigger than the top? Um, which is often seen with, like, kind of older books. You see yeah, okay. a pretty... Like, the, the block of text kind of floats up to the top and to the left or mm-hmm. to the right. Um, but yeah, so I'd make those considerations, set up a grid, yep. um, which is essentially just ruled lines vertically and horizontally. Mm-hmm. Um, the vertical columns are evenly spaced and the horizontal rows are evenly spaced as well. Yep. Yep. And then, then I'll start arranging elements. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. What, are, what's your introduction to grids been or how does it kind of relate to development? Yeah, so I guess so. The history of layout in and, and grids in development probably, I think, is Bootstrap, and so that's a CSS and JavaScript framework. Um, and when it first came out, um, they had an underlying grid system built on sort of like a twelve-piece grid, a, um, a, a vertical twelve-piece grid, so no horizontal lines. 
um, and they were using floats um, and or yeah, ro- containers, rows, columns, and floats to sort of get everything in a in a grid. And the main thing I think that they did that made them so popular was the ability to add add classes to columns that would say on this screen size, make this three wide. On the bigger screen size, make it two wide or whatever it was. So you could actually change those grid sizes based on the screen width. And that was really, really simple. Um, so that was that was at least my first introduction into it. I think that was probably the main big player that sort of started that. Um, but because they used floats um, and the way they were built, they're not very versatile and they can be a bit annoying. So these days they're not used as much, um, but they're still a great tool. So I think that was probably the first step, and that made everybody think. And, and Bootstrap was in twelves, um, and obviously because it's such a nice number to divide everything into, I think that's probably still the most common grid size these days, at least for web, it is. Okay. Um, and so yeah, so Bootstrap came out with that, and then that's where I think most people get their first, or, or developers at least get their first sort of introduction into things aligning in certain spots, and you know, and it just gives that consistency. So that if you have um, you know, even it's as simple as something as having copy like up at the top of the website and then down at the bottom of the website, you can be sure that it's going to line up on the left of the same spot or, you know, if it's three columns over or whatever it might be. So I think that was probably the first um, the first thing that happened in development. And then as things have gotten a bit more complex um, and essentially as more sort of CSS things are being supported in browsers, um, things like Flex and now CSS Grid um, have come out and they're now sort of being more adopted as sort of the way to do things. Yeah. Um, and which is interesting because with Bootstrap, you had these predefined grids that you'd kind of use everywhere. But now with Flex and CSS Grid, you're kind of actually building these grids almost separately wherever you kind of need them in a way. Yep. It's maybe not as global in the way that it's been done. Um, so that's an interesting consideration that probably hasn't happened to hasn't happened uh, until until these things have come out. So did one come before the other with Flex and CSS Grid? Yeah, definitely. So Flex definitely came out before, well, was more widely supported. Um, but as well, Flex isn't necessarily considered a, a complete layout tool. Um, you probably wouldn't lay out your entire sort of top-level structure of your website in Flex necessarily. Um, but it's more sort of used for smaller elements here and there. I mean, that's probably up for debate. Yeah, okay. Um, but Flex definitely came out first, and then CSS Grid now is only being more widely supported. Um, and I think it's up to IE 11 supports CSS Grid, although it doesn't support some of the more complex properties. Um, but every other browser supports CSS Grid now. So, um, yeah, I mean, depending on how comfortable you are with either, it's probably time to move over. But I think what's interesting as well with CSS Grid is that um, because it's so relatively new or, or people haven't only started using it a lot recently, is that... um. You know, it's not people aren't necessarily um, 100% aware of all the different use cases or the best ways of using it in different scenarios. Yeah. So that's definitely sort of evolving over the past year, which has been interesting to see. Um, but even for us at the moment, like most of the time, we won't use CSS Grid, depending um, just for browser support issues, really. Okay. Um, just um, because the other things work so well at the moment, but there are some things we do put in Grid. Because the thing is, if it's if it's a layout of your whole site. You don't want that whole site to break on an older browser. Um, but if it's a layout of a small piece that isn't necessarily 100% functionally required, then if it falls back to just rows or whatever it is, then that's probably fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So is one more powerful than the other, or does one, you know, why would you yeah, use one yeah. over the other? Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely for different use cases. Um, and, fl- uh, yeah, so CSS Grid 
is more similar to what I imagine a designer sees a grid as, which is a full two-dimensional grid, whereas something like Bootstrap and Flex to some degree is more like thinking in a singular row or a singular column, Okay. whereas grid is actually thinking about the whole 2D piece and how everything fits into that whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like I said, you know, there's people that build whole sites using Flex and vice versa, so it, it's sort of up to interpretation in a way. Yeah. But yeah, there definitely are different use cases for it, and, you know, it comes down to how comfortable you are with them as well. But another thing as well from a development perspective is stuff like doing wireframes. So we do a bit of that because we like to work in the sort of um, do a bit of information architecture and wireframing as part of our sort of process. And that's obviously just completely based on grids for wireframing because it just has to be nice and rough as well, but things still need to look nice. So that's definitely been something I've been exposed to sort of in the past couple of years um, and using um, something like Figma as well, obviously, to um, really sort of fast track that. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to be able to just switch on and off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and very easily program the, yeah. the columns. Um, totally. You know, as opposed to like dragging rulers around and... Hope, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, making a rectangle between each ruler. Yeah. And spacing it out that way, it can be quite laborious. One of the things that I was looking at in Figma the other day was the alignment stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't used that at all, really. Um, but I feel like it would be pretty powerful to be able to sort of set all your alignment to all your different components and whatever it might be. So you can just sort of move everything around and drag them and resize them and they all sort of sit in the right spots all the time. Have you played much with that? Um. I don't think so. I mean, yeah. when I when I hear alignment, I interpret it as like you've got a few elements selected and then you snap them to be yeah. aligned in a particular way. But you're talking more about responsive. Yeah, see, I don't know exactly what the best use case of it is, but it is like what you're saying. But then because you align those things, they sort of, it's not just like a click and then it aligns and then it's done. It actually ties it to those spots so that when you move those other spots, they also move together and they can stretch together and they can be defined to stick to the side and don't stretch or stick to the side and stretch with the container and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, like I said, I haven't played with it, but I think it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, that might be something for me to explore. Because, um, yeah, I'd, or at least what you're describing, I don't think I've um, yeah, used I'll, that function in Figma. Yeah, I love getting into the nitty-gritty of all those things. And I think it, as well it probably helps with... Um, if you're building components, like reusable components throughout there, because yep. then you can sort of set the rules on, within a component, set the rules of how everything inside that scales, if the component's bigger or smaller or those kinds of things. Yeah, cool. So in doing a bit of research for this episode, I um, came across the eight-point grid. Um, okay. Have you, have you had much exposure to that? or No, I've never heard what that is. Yeah, cool. Um, I mean, I'd heard it mentioned on a on a UX kind of course I did a while ago. Um, And it's basically using eight as the the base number for everything. Right, Um, okay, like the smallest unit. Yeah, so like eight point Uh because it's like lends itself to 16 point body, you know, 32H1 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Maybe 24H2 or or maybe you've got 64H1 or whatever. Yeah. but then it's used for, like, everything. So, like, the height of the nav is a multiple of eight, the height of the header. The spacing between, you know, um, the top of a section and the header one and the height of the button yep. and the point size of the text in the button. Yep, yep, yep. Um, 
and apparently eight is the best number okay. based on um, like device sizes right, that are available okay. at the moment. Right, it's been right. found to be the most yeah, um, okay. versatile mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or like the most yeah applicable to the range of um, device sizes we have. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, I found it really cool to start going through some some cases where this is applied and um, even thinking about it in terms of setting up parameters in, in, in SAS. Yeah, okay. Know, and being like, all right, here are different ru- spacing rules yeah, yeah, that I can yeah. just apply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. So I guess from a development perspective, <clears throat> I haven't sort of, like I said, I hadn't heard of the th- uh, eight-point grid, but I do a similar thing, I guess, in terms of defining margins and paddings and whatever it might be around things um and ideally and i think we spoke about this in a previous episode as well and ideally having them of some multiple just so you have a consistency somewhere or even having just a few set values so it might be you know you have um 32 pixels for padding and 64 and that's sort of the only two that you use around just so that everything's a bit more consistent yeah for sure um so yeah that's definitely been a consideration and i think as well it helps or it depends what you're building um but using um, REMS is good as well, so that th- that padding is one a multiple of your body copy, but then also can be changed with the body copy easily um, yep. to scale. Um, which, yeah, I mean, actually, I've heard of a funny story where you know if you hold Command and press minus, it sort of like shrinks everything. Um, there's a classic story of like a developer having that setting set on their browser, but not realizing it, and then building a design, you know, from whatever. And then when it actually gets deployed, it's like a whole lot bigger and things are out of way. It's like, what the hell's going on? Like, oh my God, I like, can't replicate this anywhere else. And then it's like, you know, he hit command zero to reset it. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a... That well, would be I, a I, I don't know, maybe a bit of work to get that. Definitely a bit of work, yeah. Just a pain. And, but I can just imagine the amount of debugging that they must have done to like figure out what the problem was. And then eventually it's just like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, that's always something I check every time I start a project. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just checked. <laughs> um, yeah, but something else that I thought was kind of awesome with this um, eight-point thing mm-hmm. is adjusting, like, the settings on Figma or whatever program you're using. Yeah. For, like, when when you press shift and nudge, it normally does 10 units, oh. so you change it to eight. Yeah, so okay. you're, you're just, like... You're just so, in eight. You're, you're just so <laughs> locked into eight. All your movements are yeah, okay, multiples that's cool. of eight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing that I've done a few designs. I mean, the last one was multiples of eight, uh-huh. but I don't think it was as, you know, taking it as, like, no number yeah, on the yeah. page can not be a multiple of eight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm keen to do that for yeah, the cool. next, next one. Yeah, nice. Do you want to go through what some of the different types of grids are? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we kind of... Yeah, we'll go through most of them here. Touched on baseline, or maybe just a recap. Yeah. Um, baseline being, you know, the lines that are ruled mm-hmm. um, which text falls upon. Yeah. Um, so you can see the baseline in an exercise book pretty yep. clearly. Yep. Um, then there's columns, so pretty self-explanatory. Yep, I think we got that one. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I guess you'd have rows as well. Um, you know, you could just have. Uh, I, I guess baselines are, are rows. Yeah. Also. Yeah, um, I'd say that. But I feel like they're more angled toward placement of text. Yeah, yeah. 
whereas you could have a row layout mm-hmm. and it's just designed for placement of images yeah. and maybe lines of text beneath each. Or And maybe as well, I think the rows probably are more conducive to having a gutter between them as well. So whereas I'd say baseline, you don't really think of a gutter in between. It's like the baseline is more just a line, right? Whereas a row is more like a the two lines that make up that row. Yeah. Do you know I, what I mean? I, like like yeah. it's a two-dimensional... I, I, that makes sense mm. to me, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you've got the baseline, you've got columns, and then you've got rows. If you overlap the rows on top of the, the columns, mm. you're going to get these kind of... You're going to get a modular grid, or you're going to get kind of boxes that appear yeah, yeah. as a result of these intersecting spaces. And that's where you kind of start to get quite a bit of flexibility. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, something could fit into one box, or it could fit into 16 boxes, or... Um, and yeah, it also starts to bring up the idea of nested grids. Yeah. Okay. So you've got like you might have a twelve column width um, layer. Yeah. Um, but then within that, there's these little parties going on. There might be a <laughs> little parties. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> Just like look at this fiesta, this six by eight in the bottom corner there. And then there's a two by three just doing its own oh, thing. You know, just, yep, in yeah, in the corner there. Okay. Um, so, like, grids on grids on grids. Yeah, yeah. Are, are there any other types of grids? Or do, that, that probably covers... Yeah, I mean, like, from my perspective, it's more just... Yeah, from a development perspective, we only see, like, a modular grid, just rows and columns, basically. Yeah. Some nesting, um, to some degree, but and I think nef- that... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but I think that when you... So... When, when you talk about CSS grid, the actual CSS property grid, I think that's... Well, generally, that's a more sort of bigger style layout general page. Um, and then you'd have things like flex or whatever it might be within that, within those little areas to then lay out individual little pieces of content probably. I think maybe one of the things holding that back is that actually CSS grid, the property, um, doesn't support nested CSS grids very well. Okay. Um, so that's something that's I think it's still in been written in the spec of how that's all meant to work um, but I suspect once it does get finalised then it will come out pretty quick um, but I think yeah there's, there might be some limitations on there at the moment yeah cool so when you get a design mm. um, what kind of process do you go through to translate that into I guess a, a, a an approach to layout yeah, yeah. or to, to actually develop it yeah, so I think the main thing or the biggest part of this process is what I'll do is I'll print out sort of one page and then with a pencil I'll just, almost like you were saying before with tracing paper over the age or the, a magazine, I take that print out of the first page of the website and just draw boxes around the content. Um, and I'm doing that from a, um, not from a design perspective initially, it's more from a content um perspective so like what content belongs to each other what could be a reusable component that might show up somewhere else in the mm. side or so it's more just informationally structurally how these pieces fit together yeah and then once i've sort of figured that out then i'll think more from a design perspective and think okay if this piece if this component or this block that i've drawn a box around if that was going to sit next to a different component somewhere else on a different page how would the padding and the margins work for those components and how can we try and make it consistent across all of them? And where do I... So, you know, if you've got two components sitting one atop the other, you know, where do you draw the line of, okay, um, 
that's part of the top component or this is part of the bottom component? Do we add a lot of padding to the bottom of the top component or to the top of the bottom component and where do you draw that line and how does that all work? Yeah, what are all the cases where they're going to intersect? Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, and that's definitely more common or at least more important when you're thinking about putting it into a CMS because you are going to have those lots of different pieces in different combinations probably down the track. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely something to consider. Um, yeah, and I think that's probably the main part. And then, you know, just building those components out really. Um, yeah, cool. And then I guess the other thing to think about is um, depending if you get the design in mobile or desktop is then, you know, extrapolating it to the other and thinking about, okay, if I did create the layout like this, how would it work if it went to mobile? And so a lot of those cases are around. The, the most annoying ones is when you've got content that you want to, um, you've got the desktop design and that content should collapse into mobile, but it doesn't necessarily collapse one after the other. It might be that it looks better for the, one of the images to be above the copy and then another image to be yep. below, which is out of order of what it um, was on desktop. Um and that's where things like CSS Grid are actually amazing because you can easily rearrange these pieces really simply. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been having heaps of fun with CSS Grid uh-huh. on this, this site that yeah, I've yeah, just yeah. done. Yeah, Because I found the, the mobile transition, uh-huh. not talking about the menu, mm-hmm. let's just leave that <laughs> out of the statement, it was pretty seamless you know, <coughs> as a result of having yeah. these, these... It was just a two-column grid on yeah. desktop yeah. and one column on... Yeah, right. Yeah, nice cool. and simple. Yeah, yeah, real easy. Yeah, so that's been really good. Um, but I think that, yeah, that, those are probably the main pieces. Um, and then there's other things as well, web-related, um, thinking about layout. And probably the, mo- or the, the most annoying is emails um, and developing emails. And the reason for that is that there's so many different clients and things that read emails that don't support CSS or don't support this and that and whatever, and it's mm. just, it's insane. Um, and so still to this day, you have to develop emails using HTML tables, like, yeah. and it's just insane. Um, luckily, there's things to combat that. Um, probably the biggest one would be Inky by Zurb, and that's essentially what it is. It's these custom HTML com- um, tags or components that you can use that, you know, as an example, it, it feels a little bit like Bootstrap, so it might be like, okay, this is a row, here's a column one, here's a column three, here's a column eight. Um, and then... When you sort of, the idea is you um, transpile that or you save it and then it gets turned into HTML tables. So you don't even have to build tables anymore. You just sort of build these custom components. Nice. And it makes it so much easier. Um, and you can do some a lot of other automated stuff with it, like um, inlining your CSS. So a lot of um, a lot of email readers won't allow you to have, you know, your, like your style tag somewhere else and then CSS all in a, in a thing. You actually have to inline it with every element and be like, you know, um, table TD and then inside that TD you'd have style equals, you know, padding left. Blah, blah, blah. And so writing all that obviously isn't um, manageable and if you've got a massive table with heaps of TDs, you don't want to apply that padding to every single one in line and blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's, there's um, yeah, there's um, programs, I guess, that will um, do all that for you. So, uh, yeah, Inky by Zurb and then I think it's, like I use a gulp process called inline CSS or something, but it's probably available for everything. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, so that's something to consider, and then, you know, and that flows into the design as well because the design of emails has to be relatively basic and or email templates, um, so that they can be built and used reliably across all different devices. Yeah. Have you had to work with that before, or email, email design? Um, email signatures is about as far as oh, I've okay. gone. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's I'll just kind of recommend finding a someone that specializes in it yeah, or using yeah. a service like MailChimp. 100%, yeah. 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 Um, and generally, like, yeah, MailChimp would be my yeah. 
overriding recommendation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, we do that as well. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, definitely got down and dirty with tables um, just yeah. for email signatures. Yeah, okay. And it's amazing like what the end result is. It's like, cool, I designed this in Microsoft Word. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the that's that's probably an example of the most compromise you have to make in design to yeah, make right. something work yeah. everywhere. Yeah, It's yeah. like, cool, you've got a logo, you've got a colour <laughs> for the text, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I've seen like a lot of those signatures just go to pure images now. Yeah, right. Mm, because, I mean, the majority of email clients support images. Um, there's a few that don't still, I think. And as well, if you have your security settings set up high, then it won't display images. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just a risk to have, like, an image block. Yeah. And some are ridiculous. It's like website, email, phone oh, number, yeah, and I it's know. all on a static image. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's uh, that's a clickable call to action. Yeah, but I guess by the same token, I don't think I've ever clicked anything in the footer of anybody's thing in the world. Really? Yeah, like, I click on sites all the time. Instagram. Mm. I've I haven't really made a phone call from a signature. No. But I think it might as well be an active link. Yeah, I mean I guess, you know, you're playing whether or not you want it to look really nice or make it look crazy, for instance. You wouldn't be able to do that unless you did it with an image. Yeah. yeah but but to be honest, I reckon it's probably not the place for over designing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like if I see an email signature with you know, a whole bunch of stuff going on, and it's clearly within a, a an image. Like it doesn't it yeah. doesn't impress me. Yeah. But if I see a beautiful logo, mm-hmm. and maybe they've had to set it in Korea because yeah. you only have like three options. Yeah, yeah. And there's a brand color. Yeah. I'm like, boom! They know what they're doing. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah, I like that as well. There's nothing worse than seeing those bloody email chains with like 16 replies and they've got that like non-confidentiality sort of thing at the bottom. That it's just is that really a thing, guys? I not, don't think that's a thing anymore. It's just not. Yeah. Well, now we're talking. Let's next episode email signatures. <laughs> Why you should keep them condensed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, they don't have. And you know what? Look, if you want to have like your images embedded in it so that they come back as attachments every time I reply to you, it's I'm going to delete your email because that is just so annoying. <laughs> you have that trail, you know, they have that trail, and there's like 43 images yeah. attached because it's a bloody Facebook logo that they've added on there. Because I'm not clicking on that. Mm. No, that's that shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a problem. I had a client the other day, and we had an email conversation. Guess how many emails backwards and forwards there was for this one project? There was only like three grand. How many? Fifty-five. Why? I don't know. Were you involved? <laughs> yeah. In... Yeah. That's hectic. <laughs> it was really bad. Pick up the phone. Um. So, what are the key takeaways on the subject of layout group? Yeah. Cool. Um. I think from a development perspective, it's definitely if you're getting a design, try and break it up into those sections and those components and then think about how they'll work in all different combinations um, to think about, okay, how you might sort of implement the padding and the margins between them. I think that's probably the biggest thing. And then, you know, from that, it's also training or, you know, working your design brain a little bit as well when you can start getting better at thinking how you would lay out these things if you were given the the, um, opportunity to as well. Yeah, and I mean, some sometimes there's opportunity to freestyle. For as sure, well, you for know, sure. Like you'll be looking at a design, and you can be like, "Hold on, this isn't actually following as much of a structure as it could, or yeah, there's opportunity yeah. for improvement, yeah. not necessarily due to lack of structure." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I agree. Or in translating it to mobile, you know, I feel like um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to learn from developers as well. Uh-huh. You know, f- from a designer's perspective, um, 
and I'd say most designers are open to hearing it. For sure. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, how about yourself? I think uh, something to, well, two things to bear in mind, really. One is that the grid is like a helper. It's, yeah. it's, it's not a guarantee of an outcome. Right, right. Um, and I'm just borrowing this from Joseph Muller Brockman, who's pretty much the god of modern grid mm-hmm. layout. Um, but yeah, like like most things, it takes practice to master. It's not going to be the presence of a grid that makes a design, um, which is something I had to learn. I was yeah, like, okay. but I designed this grid; it looks sick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you start placing elements, and it's like, yeah, but it just doesn't work because I haven't worked with grids enough to know how they kind of yeah yeah function. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I think that's sort of yeah a process I've gone through recently in terms of doing or using grids to try and build a design, and then. Being like, okay, like it sort of all works, but then there's you turn the grids off, and there's it's just something that's just off, like it doesn't fully work all together. Mm. And I think it's learning that and going through that process. Okay, how do we adjust this now visually to really sort of? Yeah, and I guess there are there are considerations on top of the kind of columns and rows grid. You mm-hmm. know, it'll be like the the baseline of text, and yeah, does that yeah. baseline align to the paragraph next to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if not, then it's going to look off. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, the other thing is, <clears throat> the other thing, little takeaway is that this eight-point grid or mm-hmm. using a number, um, like it could be ten, it could be six, but you're going to be more limited or have too many options yeah, depending yeah. what you choose. Um, it's just a an increment, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't have to be more complicated than that because there's. Like I was reading, there's like hard and soft kind of um, use of this increment. Right. Hard is like everything is yeah. very clearly defined, but the soft is like everything that's spaced follows this. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so it could just be like it's a multiple of eight between sections. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you using that sort of concept exclusively now in your designs? Uh, not exclusively, no, but I, I really like... I ended up reading like ten articles on this because yeah, it right. was like, oh, that just makes so yeah, much yeah, sense okay. and simplifies yeah, cool. yeah, the yeah. process. But I think it's probably most applicable to um, designs related, uh, created for the screen. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether this, this increment would work so well with um, print yeah, okay. design. Yeah. Parti- well, I guess because the number eight was chosen based on the average of okay, right, um, device widths. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, they're the, they're the two things. One is that the grid's not um, a guarantee, and two is that, like, I guess don't be too intimidated by it. It can just be like, I'm just going to use multiples of eight yeah. to um, make my design more consistent. Yeah, yep, yep. Cool. All right. All right. Well, that's the end of that one. And we'll and see you for the next one. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs>